What's up, everybody? This is Cody Michael. I'm joined by Seth Ott. <sighs> we are socially constipated. This, of course, is Gridiron Grunts. We're back with our second episode. We're going to start diving into some season previews. Let's go. Um, going division by division. Very excited to start talking ball. Again, this is uh, brand new. The Gridiron Grunts show is in its second week now under our new socially constipated umbrella. Um, hit the link in the description box to go to our website, sociallyconstipatedpod.com. You can click on this episode and join the comments thread there. So we're going to have some takes uh, and some predictions throughout the episode. Get on there. Let us know if you think we're crazy or what your thoughts are on the teams of the NFC South that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on today. Again, uh, that website too is where you can check out all of our sponsors, all of our social media links, uh, the mailing list as well. So that's the place to stay in touch with everything that Socially Constipated is up to. And we've also started doing a couple of giveaways. So make sure you follow, like, subscribe, comment, interact with us however you can. You never know why or when or what we're going to be giving away. So Cody's um, giving away his get out uh, there. season tickets to the Rams. I, I, I might do that. <laughs> there is a non-zero chance that I do that. There's only one way to find out if I'm going to do that. <laughs> Keep listening. And that's by liking. If someone likes, shares, subscribes, and comments on everything that we have ever done, I would consider <laughs> some sort of season ticket giveaway. And, and maybe a single game. And becomes an anchor wanker for the $3,000 a month level. <laughs> yeah, and become a very top-tier anchor wanker. <laughs> you might find yourself... In my seats at SoFi Stadium. <laughs> um, I mean, I doubt it, but uh, you know, Lloyd Christmas said, so you're saying there's a chance. So I don't want to slam the door on anyone who wants to interact and give us money. So got to crack that, that a little bit. Don't, don't get me started on how stoked I am to get to SoFi in something like 66 days from now, 67, something. The other day the Rams posted it was 69 days. I think it's 66. From, uh, from the kickoff. 69. 69. <laughs> <laughs> So really stoked. 65 when you're listening to this, actually, because yeah, today today is the recording. Tuesday is 66. So there you go. 65 days coming up fast. Coming up fast. And yet it seems so far away. We are going to get into our off season review and and set up the season for the NFC South in just a little bit. But let's touch on one quick headline. Uh, This is going to be this week's bathroom reading. Sitting on toilet. Sitting on toilet. I I promise I am not misspeaking when I say that Aaron Rodgers and Larry Fitzgerald are head-to-head in this year's NBA Finals. One of of the two of them will be taking home a Finals championship ring. What the fuck are you talking about, Cody? Well, it turns out that Rodgers is a minority stakeholder in the Milwaukee Bucks organization, and Larry Fitzgerald, being an Arizona man, is a part owner in the Phoenix Suns. If you don't follow basketball, those are the two teams that are facing off in this week's finals, which start the night that we're recording this, last night, if you're listening on the day of release. So the finals are underway, and one of those two guys is going to win it. Seth, if Aaron Rodgers and Larry Fitz were going head-to-head in a game of one-on-one, who are you taking? Man, I'd have to go with Fitz in this one still. I think he would just be able to push Rodgers over (laughs) if he needs to. It's, I don't know. Apparently, Fitzgerald still hasn't signed a c- contract. I don't know if he's said he's if he's coming back or not. Or might still be under contract, but I, I don't know if he's decided if he's coming back to football or not. So they're both kind of up in the air with their, their uh, 
seasons right now. I think also they're going to be, they're both, Rogers obviously competing in that in the golf thing against uh, the golf matchup against Tom Brady, which is happening as again as we're recording this. But I think Fitzgerald is also there doing commentary, so they're uh, they're probably gonna get a little trash talk in before the game too tonight. I like it, man. I love this kind of stuff. I, I when guys are are all about their city, and I still don't think Rogers is all about his city, but he knows how to make a few bucks. Yep. And but for Fitz, <laughs> I love this. He's he's That's a, a part of that community. Oh, shit. I didn't even realize. I guess that was... Show me the money! That's Rogers uh, screaming at Giannis to get his leg figured out. Yeah, put your knee back um, together. Get out there. Yeah. For Fitz, though, I think this is, you know, he's he's just all about his city, and he wants to support mm-hmm. every bit of it. And I love that. I'm also taking Fitz in the one-on-one. I, you go back to the playoff run that he had with Kurt Warner getting to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking... That man has the biggest ass I have ever seen on a man. <laughs> like, relative to his size, if you see some footage of Larry Fitz running, you will be amazed at how thick this dude's fucking legs are. He's also a receiver, so he's got leaping ability. I'm sure he can slam at home. Rodgers, to me, feels like he could probably shoot the lights out, but yeah. I just think he's outmatched athletically here. Got to go with Fitz. Outside the obvious, he's a black man with dreadlocks, and we're assuming he can play <laughs> basketball. I, I think he's taking it to the house for on Rodgers. Wasn't it against the Packers too, where he had the, like where he beat them, and like was it in the fourth quarter or overtime? I think it was. I can't remember if it was overtime. It right? was. Yeah, he came just out like man um, of a slant, right, and just like manned his way to the end zone. Like people are hanging off of him and stuff. He had like a. I remember watching this. You and I were in a bar in Mount Vernon. Yeah, Island, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure they hit. I'm pretty sure Rodgers hit like a hail mary to to get, send it yep. to overtime. That was a crazy ass. And game. then one of the most amazing playoff games in recent memory. Yeah, there was like a busted play that lasted forever, and Fitz somehow got wide open, like mm-hmm. ten yards down the field and on the sideline. Yeah, and so whoever it, was it still Carson Palmer quarterbacking yeah. at that time? I think yeah. it must have been. Oh yeah, and he threw like this half ass duck to him as he was getting hit. Fitz catches it. No one else is on the screen. And he streaks all the way up the middle, ends up going down at like the two. And then the next play, they ran a shovel pass with him and he slammed it in off tackle That's right. and won yep. the game. Yep. Fucking awesome, awesome game. So this was after the Kurt Warner run, but that was an all-time fucking Larry Fitz game, right? Mm-hmm. I'm glad you just reminded me of that memory. That was a nice one. Yeah. I've always loved him. There, there was He's from the Minneapolis area. And so there's always rumors when his contract was kind of coming up with the, the um, Cardinals back in the day, there's always rumors he was going to come to Minnesota. And this was like when he was still in his prime. I'm like, oh, that would be so fucking awesome. But it never happened. So He likes winning too much. <laughs> uh, Larry Fitz and Aaron Rodgers, uh, one of them getting, a, getting an NBA ring. Let us know in the comments who you like in that one-on-one matchup and who you like for the NBA Finals. We're not going to talk a lot of NBA here, but... Let us know. Let us know what your thoughts are, and we'll be watching that game as soon as we're done recording here. So that's what's going on where the NFL and NBA intersect. But we've got a lot more bathroom talk for you. We are getting into, again, we're going division by division. Division deep dive. For the 2021 season. If you're a fantasy owner, if you're a better, or if you just like talking about football because it's not here yet, we're going to go into every team and every division this week through the beginning of the season. And we're going to start this week, Seth, with the NFC South, and specifically the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as they were uh, rebranded last year, the Mm -hmm. addition of Tom Brady, takes them all the way through. They won the Super Bowl. Interesting for them last year, coming out of the COVID year, piecing the team together over the course of the season. 
and they ended up figuring it out and uh, beat the Chiefs pretty handily. I know the score was maybe closer than it looked, but that was a that was a whooping. They come out. I think one of the big things when we think about off season and transactions, one of the few teams in NFL history, Super Bowl champion, returning all of the starters, all offensive and defensive starters yeah. have been re-signed. Their front office general manager has to win some sort of award for getting that done. First they did time a lot ever. of contract gymnastics. Incredible that they were able to pull that off. Do you think then, you know, you come off a good season and they were trending up even at the end. You picked them to lose to the Chiefs, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, when we did As our right initial now. Super Bowl picks that last year. can change. Year. It could change, yes. So you must be of the school of thought that great team returning the whole roster will have another good season. Mm-hmm. Tell, me, tell me a little bit about why you think that's going to be the case. I'd say one other addition that I do really, really like for them is Giovanni Bernard in their backfield. Don't like mm-hmm. it for fantasy at all, but he is probably he's one of the top two or three pass catching running backs in the NFL. What does Tom Brady like to do? He likes to throw it to his running backs, a la James White. I think that's going to be huge for him. Someone who's reliable because I think last year he had to rely on Leonard Fournette out of the backfield to pass it to, and Fournette's okay coming out of the backfield, but he's huge. He's probably not going to get a lot of momentum coming out. We've seen Gio Bernard fly. And so I think even that is at his age, he was still holding a lot of the he was still a lot of the backfield in, in the Bengals with the Bengals last year when Joe Mixon was hurt and he still caught the ball a lot and was quick. So I think that's going to be big for their offense. Just that small little piece, because like you mentioned, they were coming on strong at the end of last year. They they were looking the best they had looked all year and had a ton of momentum and hearing more in the offseason about them in terms of how their their philosophy changed. After their bye week is when they came on strong is when Tom Brady got to start to put his offense in there. So it was a mix of his and Bruce Arians' offense, and they were just starting to learn that. They were just starting to get that going by the time they were in the Super Bowl. And so I think that's going to be very interesting to see is if Tom Brady's still healthy and can still play at this, the level he has, which there's no indication that he's slowing down. He took a step up last year. I think... That offense, as dangerous as it was at the end, is going to be even more so this year. So I'm excited to see that offense. That defense played really well. Maybe more of a product of how well the offense and how efficient the offense was. But they still have some studs on defense. Got a great pass rush. Again, looking at age, Jason Pierre-Paul is in his late 30s, I think now. Mid to late 30s. Who knows when that falloff is going to be. So they could lose some of that, but... They're, they didn't really have much of a draft to work with. They dra- Their first pick was Kyle Trask. So I don't think that really is going to come into play. It's all about the veterans there. And O.J. Howard will be back this year, too. He was hurt at the, like right at the beginning of last year. And all accounts say that he is playing really well, um, looking good, looking healthy. So I'm excited to, to see what this team does. I think they're going to be a force. They very well could be. You talk about the age. You know, a lot of vets on this team. One of the questions I was going to ask you, you've already answered. Do you expect a Tom Brady pullback? There's people so. have been betting on that for six years. <laughs> right. So it seems like dumb money at this point. Yeah. <laughs> they did draft someone in the first round as a linebacker, apparently. Yeah. And I think the defense is actually, you know, you think back to last the end of last season and they started really making moves. The defense was great all year. And they also return all their coordinators too, which is mm-hmm. so rare for a Super Bowl team to do, not have them get hired away. So the defense, I think, is the real strength of this team. You can only experiment offensively in the second half of the season and the playoffs if you know your defense is good. 
And so they're also a young defense and pretty fast. So watch out for them to be a really tough D. And (laughs) if they're able to keep healthy, which was a a problem for them last year on offense, I I share your optimism for the Bucs. I think they will be a real threat. They play the Rams, I think, in week three at SoFi. Very excited, very nervous also uh, to go to that game. I've never watched Tom Brady play the Rams and not been made sad. So... (laughs) Actually, that's not true. The Rams beat them last year. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. It was Regular a Regular season, yeah. Good game. You know, we talked about acquisitions. Not a lot changed. Uh, they bring back every starter, uh, uh-huh. including Gronk, who they re-signed on a new one-year deal. Godwin got their franchise tag, who I watched for Godwin to really blow back up this year after yeah. what's felt like a, a down season for He's him, especially due to year. injuries. Yep. Watch out for him to really assert himself, but it is a crowded offense, so yeah. we'll see what type of volume they've got. But, I mean, the defense, they brought Indomitian Sue, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, yeah. all studs. Fournette is back. They even got their kicker back. This is a team that they seem to think they've got what they need to make another run. Here's a question I would ask for you, Seth. Mm-hmm. Thinking about the Chiefs last year, mm-hmm. I feel like we were in a similar place. They obviously had some pieces move around, but we came out of last year's Super Bowl going, the Chiefs are the best team. They will still obviously be the favorite. Mm-hmm. Do you give this Tampa team, are you more or less optimistic this year about the Tampa team than you were about the Chiefs last year? Because it seemed obvious mm-hmm. then that they were the best team. Yeah, I think that's hard because with the Bucks, there are those few question marks about the age and the, you know, again, I don't think Brady will fall off, but this might be the first year that I've thought that, you know, <laughs> and, and what if this is the year that he does? So I think there's those 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 question marks, whereas like with, with the Chiefs, I don't think I really had those those question marks coming off their Super Bowl season. Obviously, those question marks showed themselves with the offensive line and that type of thing, but that those those didn't show themselves until the end of the season and when after they'd gone like fourteen and two or whatever their record was. So it's like I I think I would I was probably a little more confident in the Chiefs, but I'm still very confident in the Bucks. I think they're going to be a team that is the favorite probably in every single matchup they're in, and maybe minus again if they're going against the Chiefs potentially but I think just seeing the momentum and the way they came off the Super Bowl and in the last you know several weeks of the season and the fact of hearing the background stuff about the offense and the team how they how are they putting everything together going into that stretch to me there's just a lot more evidence that says they're going to be pretty dominant if they make the playoffs watch out Jason Pierre-Paul who is on this team, has never lost a playoff game. (laughs) He's had three perfect runs, uh, two with the Giants, now one with the Bucks. Him plus Tom Brady mean bad luck for you if you're playing these guys in an elimination game. So big story here. They bring back everybody. They're among the favorites. Let's take a look at the Super Bowl odds for uh, Tampa. They're They're number two in terms of odds to win the Super Bowl. Chiefs are number one at plus 500. The Bucks plus 650. So as far as Vegas is concerned, they're your number two pick to win it all. So they seem to be agreeing with you, Seth. Pretty good shot that these guys are going to get back and get a chance um, to win their second straight. For me, this is the best chance at a repeat. I liked the Chiefs a lot last year, but going back to some of those uh, Seattle teams that were really good Mm -hmm. that went to, I think, three out of four Super Bowls or so, I think since those teams, this feels like the team that has the best chance to get back in and repeat. Yeah. So the plus 650 to win the Super Bowl, you can bet that today. Over under on regular season wins for Tampa, 
is at 11 and a half. So don't remember, don't forget we're playing 17 games now. So Seth at plus 125, are you taking the under? So they're going to win 11 games or less, or do you think they're going to win 12 or more at minus 150? Vegas likes the over by the looks of it. I think I, I, I mean, I wouldn't put money in this one. I don't like either of the lines there. The, uh, it's, so it's for the over it's minus 150. So it basically means if you bet a dollar, you'll get 67 cents if you bet a dollar. So your total payout would be $1.67. So essentially with that, you're not getting a lot of value at the minus 150, and I don't think they're going to be under 11 games, which is a plus 125. So I, I wouldn't touch that bet. The one thing that I, I, I we talked about quickly before the show that I thought was kind of interesting, Bucks to go 17-0. and 0, That's Tom Brady has specifically said that is the one thing that's left for him is to go 17 and 0 and then win the Super Bowl. He said he would give up two of his rings <laughs> to take that feat, to have that feat. So, he it's a goal of his. It's plus 5,000 for them to go 17 and 0. I would sprinkle a tiny bit of money. In fact, I might sprinkle a tiny bit of money on that one. Maybe put 5 bucks or something. Just to just to, you know, it'd be kind of cool. You win 250 if you put 5 bucks on it. So, the other thing I saw too, they just um, uploaded they have a best regular season record, Category 2, for these season specials. So just basically they have all 32 teams and the odds that they have the best record at the end of the season. The Bucks are at plus 600 for that. That's not bad either. If you think the Bucks will be the best team, plus 600, throw a little money there. You can make, make a little bit of money on that one too. So those are all bets that I kind of like, those two, that just to kind of throw it out there for those. The best regular season record and the 17-0 I think are kind of fun to bet on. I agree. I think those are super fun bets. I would I would do some sprinkling uh, on each of those, especially if I was a Bucks fan. I'm probably going to bet the Rams to go 17 and 0. So if you're a Bucks fan, you got to put 10 bucks on that one and, uh, and Chiefs, get those odds. So. Chiefs also have one. We probably won't go over this again. The Chiefs ha- have one as well. So it's so so far, I'm just seeing the Bucks and the Chiefs to go 17 and 0 is plus 2700. So I guess favored in the way of them not going 17 and 0. But uh, yeah, you never know. We shall see. Those are some fun bets. You'll be really stoked in January if if they're fourteen and zero and you have a bunch of money on that one. Uh, that's going to be fun. <laughs> oh for some man, folks. be pooping. We don't like the line on games. I, if you have to bet it, I like the over. I think yeah. twelve and five is about where I would put them. I don't think it's hard for if me that, to assume a team's going to go seventeen and zero. But I don't. I don't see them losing more than five games yeah. if I have to pick that one. And I, that line might, you know, if there's an injury that comes out of camp or something like that, that line might change a little bit. I, I probably, if it was like minus one, one thirty, I would probably think about that. But even that, that win, I'm looking more for lower win totals that I think teams will overperform. And while I, I don't think they'll go seventeen to zero, I do think that they'll win over fifth, over eleven games. But that's kind of a place where it's like, well, if they have a couple injuries and this or that, maybe they win only 11 games and it's 11 and a half games, then you're kind of like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I'll, a little bit of my kind of betting philosophy, and this is probably wrong. So like, don't take me at my value here. I would almost be more inclined to, if I'm going to bet, I'd maybe be more inclined to bet the under because yeah. you're, if you win, it's, it's a bigger yep. payout and exactly. not a lot of people are going to be betting that. So I like the odds there. Yep. And so, you know, do with that one side. If you're a Bucks fan, you think they're going to win 17 games, obviously bet the over. Yeah. Um, but if you're like, I don't know, it's it's yeah. so hard to repeat. It's so hard to stay healthy. And that's a big win yeah. total. It's among the highest. So think about taking the under and getting the better odds on that one, too, if, if you're a little skeptical of Tampa like some folks are. 
Neither of us are, though. We think yeah. we're going to be sick. Exactly. And that's the thing is if you did think that they might fall off or um, that some injuries might plague them for a little bit this season, the under there is is a great bet. You make you plus money there on that point. So that would be that would be a good bet. But I think there are a couple other teams that do have some higher win totals that maybe would be better to bet the bet the under on potentially. If you tell me you're taking the under on the Rams, I'm going to fly over there and punch you. <laughs> I actually um, don't think their over under for... is very high. There might be oh, a good I'm bet to bet the over. over on. The over could be six, 16 and a half, and I'd take the over. Yeah. But we're not talking about the Rams today. So a few bets out there. Chance to make some money on a Super Bowl repeat from the Buccaneers. Show me the money! So let's go now to second place finisher uh, from last season, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, another disappointing playoff exit actually at the hands of Brady mm-hmm. and the Bucks. I think the big news, Seth, from the Saints is the departure of Drew Brees. Few people were surprised at his his retirement. Drewby Dooby Doo, where are you? He is in retirement. (laughs) Broadcast Um, on NBC now. I think he'll be an excellent broadcaster. Yeah. I I think I'm very excited to see what he brings to that table. I love when quarterbacks, he's already a guy with a lot of personality. I think he's gonna be really well suited. He's probably gonna make a fuckload of money too if he's on the Romo pay scale. Mm -hmm. It leaves a hole in these Saints. Right now we know that they have correct me if I'm wrong here, Jameis Winston is rostered. Taysom and Hill. Taysom Hill as well. Who so has the funniest kind contract of setting I've ever up. seen. It's like a four-year, $140 million contract, but it's all voidable. So they could cut him next year and they no don't, they don't, they're don't. they not hit on cap. Essentially, it was just to keep him on the team, help with cap salary cap, and then also with this QB competition thing. Because if he is good, he could make a shitload of money in four years. I think that I think the, the nature of that contract, to me, says everything you need to know mm-hmm. about the Saints. Like... If they thought he was a viable option at quarterback, mm-hmm. then at least guarantee him backup money. <laughs> but I cannot, for the life of me, see a world where Taysom Hill is the starter for the Saints week one. For mm-hmm. me, it's easily Jameis Winston. And they did talk last year that Winston was the guy that you could put in in the Drew Brees game plan. And so if they want to keep the offense how it was, then Winston, I believe, is who they'll go with. If they want to change everything up and get really gimmicky, then maybe they go with Hill. But, like, if if you're going to be mixing in quarterback runs and some of these other trick things and you're going to tighten the the playbook to just the simple throws, like, you are easily the worst team in the league that's doing that, right? If it's, if it's Lamar Jackson that's doing that. Josh Allen, I don't think, will be doing it anymore, but they used to do that with him. Uh, Tua has a little bit tighter playbook. You, I think if, if Hill is who you're rolling out there, you're easily the worst team doing that version of offense. <laughs> For me... It has to be Winston week one. I, I really just don't see the logic if it's not. What, what do you think on the quarterback competition there? I, I think it'll be Winston. I still don't love it. I think he just doesn't fit that team for me. Michael Thomas isn't a deep ball, go jump up and get it guy. He's a great route runner with great hands. And the one thing that's come out of camp is that Jameis Winston is inaccurate on the slant route. And what is Michael Thomas's big weapon? The slant <laughs> He's route. He's a slant god, man. <laughs> he also doesn't check down, and he's not good at his progressions. And Alvin Kamara is, when I talked about the best receiving backs in the NFL, that's him. He's the best receiving back in the NFL. Bar none. Take it. I think maybe, you know, CMC is probably up there, but I still think it's Kamara. That offense is going to be very, it's, it's either going to be terrible or it's going to be amazing. I don't think there's an in-between. That defense is very, very good, and that's the one thing that, that, that I think that team 
still has that can keep them in games. And we sh- they showed that the last couple of years when Breeze was hurt, when Bridgewater took over and when Taysom Hill took over. That defense keeps them in games, keeps the score low, and allows them to run the ball. The thing that they also showed, though, is Kamara is not a between-the-tackles runner when they know he's going to be running the ball every snap, which is why they probably need Jameis Winston to play. They need, they need the deep ball. They need the, the the threat. I just don't think the rest of that team is built for it. They have someone like uh, Traquan Smith, who is a deep ball guy, but he's dropped a ton of balls. They don't have Ted freaking Ginn anymore, so that that you know <laughs> they don't have that deep threat. I just that offense is going to have a lot left to be desired, in my opinion, this year. So uh, I don't really know who they added, who they lost. I mean, they lost Emmanuel Sanders. So, you know, that there, there's a sure-handed guy that they lost. Let's take a look at the, uh, let's take a look at transactions quickly for the Saints. Obviously they re-signed Winston. We talk about offensive lineman James Hurst got a small contract and then safety Marcus Williams was the franchise tag. Key yeah. part of that. And he's defense, good. Like you he's mentioned. very good. Here's some guys that left, though. Breeze, we talked about. Emmanuel Sanders, you just mentioned. Jared Cook is gone. He's been a lot of a target last couple years. Also, Josh Hill. So both of their top tight ends. Hill didn't, unless you were watching Saints games, you probably haven't heard of him, but he made some key key plays. A couple of defensive linemen. And then Janoris Jenkins, who was one of their corners. Playing really well Uh, for a bit. Yeah, they've been strong in the secondary, but they're deep there, too. And So I expect that that's a gap that they'll be able to fill. Lattimore is... One of the one of if not the best corner in the NFL, so they're going to have that shut down. The passing off, passing defense is going to be great. I saw they sh- lost Sheldon Rankins as, as you're scrolling there. He's a big dude. Um, I think that that might be tough for them on the run defense. I can't remember who they drafted. Yeah, let's take a look at the up. draft. They got a defensive end in the first okay. round here, Peyton Turner, and then linebacker corner. Yeah, so they went first three picks. They went defense. Did not they have did a draft, draft a quarterback, Ian Book from Notre Dame. Maybe he enters that competition. Offensive tackle and then a wide receiver. So as far as the offseason goes for the Saints, we're referencing here, we'll link this, a CBS article that is grading the offseason. They're graded as a C- minus by CBS, and their draft class was ranked 32 out of 32. <laughs> so, And that's from NFL.com. So NFL.com yeah. and CBS do not think the Saints had a good offseason. Yeah. They were kind of hogtied here. They were yeah. really all in last year. They, their way their contracts were structured, people were getting paid. They knew they weren't going to be able to bring back the same product this year. They also probably knew Breeze was on the way out. So this is sort of the Piper asking to be paid. Um, yeah. Now, to your point from before, they've still got really good players all over this team. Yeah. Could they be competitive? Absolutely. I am expecting a backstep yeah, from the Saints this year. In fact, this is a team that I would maybe pick to miss the playoffs. Oh, yeah. But what I will say, um, I'll give you a little bit of a hot take. I think we will be talking about Jameis Winston. I'm not saying he's going to win it. I think that we will be talking about him as a comeback player of the year candidate at some point this season. I, mm-hmm. I do expect him to play well. I'm more optimistic than you. I've watched a lot of Jameis Winston. I like parts of his game, and I hope they've been able to coach some other parts out of him. So watch out. That's that's my hot take. One of my hot takes of the day is Jameis Winston for comeback player of the year. I also like other guys like Burrow who was hurt yeah. last year. And um, I think Dak is, they yeah. probably already put the name on it for Dak. <laughs> yeah. But uh, watch out for Winston. That, that's I what just, I'm saying. I, I think he's going to be better than you expect. I don't think so, man. I just, that Bucks team, when he was, when he led the league in touchdowns, also led the league in interceptions that year. But when he led the league in touchdowns with that Bucks team, that Bucks team, is built around was built around him to sling it and to do what he was good at which is sling it 
that Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, I think that time Rashad Perriman was still on the, was on the team, and he's a deep threat. Like they had only deep threats on that team. He's not a guy who's going to throw your short to in, intermediate routes. He's not going to check down, and that's what he needs to do. Sean Payton is a cerebral guy with his offense. That's not going to happen. I I just I don't know. I think probably the better suited guy for that offense is probably Taysom Hill, but the better quarterback in this case, I think Jameis Winston's obviously he was a first he was number one overall pick. He's a better overall quarterback than I think Taysom Hill is, but Taysom Hill might be the better suit for that offense. We'll see. I will be pissed if it's Taysom Hill. I'll be honest with you. I mean, they didn't. Um, they only lost like one one game maybe with him last year, one or two games with him as a starter last year because that defense kept him in it and they ran the ball a lot. Latavius Murray. I'll say this. If if Hill is the starter, like, fine. But I am not watching any Saints games. I watched oh, a couple no. of those Hill games. The most fucking boring games of yeah. my entire life. Yeah. At least and with it, Winston, it'll be fucking fun. Yeah. And <laughs> it made, you know that's true. It, it was boring, and they made Kamara bad. Like, he had he would get, like, 13 yeah. carries for 40 yards during those games. And he was, he was not because they didn't have the ball in space. If Kamara is in space, there's not many people who can ca- tackle that guy. He had six touchdowns yeah. in a game last year. With Drew Brees. But with Taysom Hill, for whatever reason, when he was under center, Kamara was average because he, he had to run between the tackles, which is not his strength. Kamara, one of those guys that get him in fantasy if you can. Let's take a, a quick peek at the betting. Year. Fair point. Uh, quick peek at the betting. Over under nine wins for the Saints. I wish it were eight and I wish it were nine and a half. Right. I would be slamming the under at nine and a half. Which I think is... I think they'll be nine and eight, eight and seven this year. I, th- I think that's like a perfect line, and the it's the, it's uh, over is minus one fifteen, under is one minus one hundred five. So it's really not much of a difference. It becomes really a pick 'em at that point. And again, I don't for betting. I don't like that as a value at all because it really is just like I think it honestly that's about as even as you can get. Of this is mm-hmm. it's one way or another. It's like either going to be eight and nine or it's going to be nine and eight and whatever one you choose is probably going to be the wrong one. <laughs> whatever one I choose will be wrong. And I'll tell the folks at home, I'm taking, I'm taking the under on the saints. Uh, yeah. I think they're going to, I think they're really going lean. down to earth here. So um, I'd lean if you there, just want to but... go against me, then take the over. But I think, you know what I, you know what I suspect? I, I, I obviously Vegas agrees with the point you just made nine and eight or eight and nine is where we're expecting to see these teams. I think they're either going to massively over or underperform that number. For whatever reason, yeah. I just have a feeling they're either two wins or 14. And I don't think it's 14. So that's I, that's why I'm leaning on the under here. But the one thing Jameis Winston does is he, his time with the Bucks, even, they were a very average team because their offense was so good and their defense was so bad. It's kind of the opposite now. I think their defense is so good, it keeps them at 500. Their offense will again keep them at 500 like they're off their defense will keep them in games their offense could be a liability i think they'll even out at 500 plus 3000 if you want to bet the <laughs> nope. saints to win at all uh, i'm not going to encourage that money unless you're a saints fan would not sprinkle um, that one and go and go enjoy that one it's a waste of a bet yeah tough tough to make money on the saints this year maybe week to week you can otherwise take the under show me the money yeah, also bet good... on Winston for a comeback player of the year. <laughs> they'll have some good fantasy, uh, daily fantasy players and stuff like that too next year. So mm-hmm. I'm sure the, the Saints will come up throughout the season. I am sure they will. They're never out of the news for very long. Team that was out of the news last year largely that I suspect will be back in the news this year, the Carolina Panthers. So they're coming off a third place finish in the NFC South last year. Moving on from Teddy Bridgewater 
who was the starter last season, to Sam Darnold, who I'll get to talking about in a second. They're also returning Christian McCaffrey. I think those two things may be maybe the biggest pieces of news related to the Panthers. Second season for Matt Rule, mm-hmm. um, who I thought did a, a good job, especially given what he had to work with last season. So interesting to see what happens in year two for him. Uh, let's take a look at the draft here. So they, at number eight, they took the top corner of the draft. They were the first. So J.C. Yeah. Horn out of J- South Carolina. Joe Horn's son. I forgot that's Joe Horn's son. Speaking yeah. of the Saints, and Joe Horn used to play there. The other pick there, that the, their second round pick, Terrence Marshall Jr. from LSU. Big fucking dude. Also pretty quick. He is actually a really interesting piece for that offense this year. I think they have a, they're going to have a very, very underrated uh, wide receiver core. DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson, who was awesome last year, and Terrence Marshall Jr. I kind of, I, I, I sneakily like their offense. They like their big-bodied receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, they had Funchess and who was the other cat? Calvin, Calvin Benjamin, Benjamin. Yep. who are both now on new teams. So maybe this kid will fill in that big-bodied role. But they've got some fucking speed now, dude. David Holy Moore shit. too. DJ Moore, David Moore, and Robbie Anderson. Those are some fast motherfuckers, and uh, and they've got mm-hmm. some size. Terrence Marshall. This defense was not awesome last yeah. year. I think middle of the pack, maybe at best. Yeah. Um, but we'll see that was, that whether was their or not they can elevate. Yeah. Shaq Thompson, I think one of the one of the names you'll recognize here. But they drafted to that side of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. They still do have A.J. Boye, who once upon a time was a great mm-hmm. uh, great corner. A couple of these other guys, pretty solid. Uh, I, I, I like Carolina this year. Yep, I think me for me, my favorite thing about them is Sam Darnold. and yep. And... I'll go back to what I said about Winston. Watch out for Sam Darnold to be in that conversation for comeback player of the year. I think he's been so unfairly fucked over. Mm-hmm. Josh Rosen definitely got it worse. I will say that. <laughs> but Sam Darnold got so fucked by the Jets, and I am so glad he's going to have a chance. And no, this isn't you know a Cadillac offense, but he'll have a chance to show something here, and I expect him to. If you watch the Jets at all, you will see him do some really dumb shit but you will also see him make some really great fucking throws. Physically, he is up there with anybody. He can make the throws. Big-bodied guy. If they can get the cobwebs out of his head and do some actual coaching with him, I think all the coaching that was done in New York only hurt him. Yep. I like him to make a jump and for this team to be competitive. Do I think they're going to win 13 games? No. No. But I like him to go better in 500. We'll see what the win total is. Yeah. But I think this is a team that makes a jump. I like them. If I have to rank the teams, I think they flirt between that two and three spot um, with Atlanta, who we'll talk about in a second. Sounds like you're in agreement, Seth, that Carolina, we're expecting them to trend upward this year. 100%. We're we're speaking the same language. I think, too, with, you know, last year that team was was a bit of a mess. But getting CMC back this year, that becomes – Yeah, that's huge. That, that, That becomes a point where – you don't know what they're going to do every time they hit the field. Is cuz McCaffrey where Kamara isn't isn't as great. McCaffrey can hit between the tackles and run for 10 yards. You know, he he's he can do everything on the field. And so could they throw it to him? Could they do play action and just dump it down to him? 100%. Could they hand it off to him? 100%. Could they chuck it deep to DJ Moore? 100%. There's so many places that they could hit is if Sam Darnold is two steps above where he was at in New York. He's already better than Bridgewater. And I like Bridgewater, but he does he can't do everything. Darnold is a former number what number two overall pick, number one overall pick. They took I, Baker before him. Yeah, I yeah. Forgot. He yeah. was like two or three or whatever. But he and I know that's that's you know, that's hard to say because he hasn't fully reached his potential. But like you said, I don't think that was his fault in New York. 
I think he was in a terrible system with Adam Gase, who has only shown that he is not a good coach. And Peyton Manning did all of the coaching when he was the offensive coordinator in, in Denver. Getting into a system that I think Matt Rule, who made Bridgewater look at least serviceable, I think Darnold has more skill set than that. Plus, with the the receivers they have, with, again, CMC, hopefully a little bit of improved defense. I, I like the Panthers this year. I think... They could. I think they'll. They're. They'll be the number two team in that division. I think pretty easily. I like this. I like this a lot. Carolina, by the way, plus seven thousand. You're. You're to win the Super Bowl. You're no. probably only betting that if Waste you're a money. Carolina fan. Seth, my favorite bet so far. Yep. I will tell you. If I <laughs> yeah. have money, I am slamming the over yep. seven and a half yep. is the win total for the season. Plus one ten on the odds. Eight Double games or money. more. I am. Th- I am taking this one to the bank. Absolutely over on Carolina. 100%. That's my favorite bet, too. Might be one of my favorites for the uh, over-unders for this season. Plus 110 for over 7.5. Thinking through the math on that and just in that division, I think they can beat the Falcons twice pretty easily. I think they can beat... They could... I, th- I think they'll take at least one on the Saints and potentially two. So that's three or four wins total out of division. They need four or five more wins out of the rest of their schedule to hit that 7.5. I think that's extremely doable. Plus, they're going to be playing with a third-place schedule, too. So the other teams they're playing mm-hmm. are going to be third-place teams. I think this is one of the lock-it-in bets for, for regular season wins. I, I like it a lot. We're in agreement. They get the they get the Texans. Texans that's a win. Ooh, they are they going to be the, the worst team. Eagles will be bad. Texans they can win trash. that. Giants, they can win they that. They get the Giants. They oh, the they Patriots. get the whole East. Yeah. That's, Patriots, we'll talk about them. That's a lock-it-in over. And that's a lot. That that's free money that you're getting right now. A plus, plus money on that, on that over. Apparently Vegas doesn't like the Panthers this year. And they're typically smarter than us. So there's a chance we're way wrong on this, but no, um, <laughs> it's rare. It's rare that a co-team is also a Seth team. Yeah. But Carolina uh, looks like they're the example. Go ahead and slam that over. <laughs> you can, you can thank us later when you bet Carolina to go over seven and a half wins. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. We'll be paying attention to Carolina for sure. It's, it's weird. <laughs> Most of the teams in the league, when we talk about the fourth place team from last year are just, we're barely going to talk about them. They suck. They'll still suck. Atlanta is one of those fascinating teams to me. And and you may think differently on this, Seth, but thinking about what's going on in Atlanta, Matt, Matt Ryan, was he going to come back? Was he not really hard guy to move? Cause he's really fucking expensive. One of the top Super. five money makers in NFL history. That's a real stat. Mm-hmm. Julio Jones leaves. Uh, he's on Tennessee. We talked about that last week. They make the draft pick number four overall tight end. Highest ever, I believe, tight end taken. Mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts it. out of Florida. We'll talk about what he brings to the offense in just a second. They're changing coaches. Um, they had, finally, they fired Dan Quinn yep. last year. New coaching is coming in. A lot of changes for Atlanta. There is really great talent sprinkled in various parts of this team. That feels to me like it's just not connected by other solid players. Like they have pro bowlers and then shit guys. So I never really know where to put Atlanta, but I have a hard time thinking that they're not going to be a little bit better than last season. What are you thinking when, when you're looking can, at Atlanta here? Can you pull up some of the other their other um, subtractions? Keanu Neal, the safety, He's center Alex really Mack, good. and offensive good guard too. Justin McCray. Those are the subtractions as well as Julio, obviously. Yeah. I don't know if these two offensive line guys are starters or not. If they're not, if Alex, they are starters, then never mind what I said because they're going to be their offensive line already wasn't <laughs> good. And if they're losing starters, then never mind. I don't know about this McCray guy, but Alex Mack, I believe, was, and I think he's older now, but he was like an elite center for a while, I believe. 
looking at their additions, I think the main one I saw there that I really, really like is Mike Davis in their backfield. I think that was something mm-hmm. last season that was really lacking. I mean, they signed Todd Gurley, hoping he could be some sort of Todd Gurley that he was before, and he was not. And so up until like a, co- a couple years ago, they had like uh, Devontae Freeman, who was really good and solid. He kind of got hurt and left, and then they've been shuffling in and out guys like Ito Smith and Gurley last year, and Tevin Coleman was there for a bit. They kind of just shuffled in and out. I think Mike Davis, who proved last year with the Panthers that he can lead a backfield, he's obviously not Christian McCaffrey. He can't do all of that, but he can catch the ball really well. He can run between the tackles very, very well. I think he's going to add a little bit of st- stability on that offense running the ball. I'm super interested in Kyle Pitts. I think seeing him, he's an athletic freak, for one, and I'll, I'm going to continue with freak from last week, but he is very gifted on the football field. Plus, Calvin Ridley has been really the number one receiver on that team for a couple years now, and I think he's shown that he can lead that. He's a big weapon on that offense. Offensive line, though, like you said, has, has been not great for them, and they only lost some pieces there. That defense has a lot left to be desired, especially, again, losing Keanu Neal, who's one of the best safeties in the league. So I don't think they take a step forward I don't it's hard to say they'll take a step back to I think at the very I think the best case scenario I think they'll be about the same uh, if not take Mm -hmm. a step back personally yeah I think they do draft in the third and fourth rounds they draft an offensive lineman from Michigan and a center from Stanford so if those guys are plug in it's tough with rookies Um, especially late rounders like that yeah along the offensive line some question marks for sure. I think the Kyle Pitts effect, regardless of whether or not, and this was the case last year too, there are a million fantasy points to be found in it on Atlanta. Yeah. With Ryan slinging it around, they've got such great players. You you touched on Calvin Ridley, who has exploded into a number one receiver mm-hmm. in the last season and a half. He went from playing second fiddle to kicking Julio Jones off the team. <laughs> right. Um, love Calvin Ridley. Russell um, Gage is also a good little got, piece for in that receiving core too. Gage is a great second. You're going to have mm-hmm. Pitts. He is going to fuck up teams and their game planning. I mm-hmm. think that's the biggest thing for Pitts is who do you, what do you do? Yep. Like, I, I don't know that he can block well enough to, to no, he's have that blocking. be part of the game. <laughs> so they'll move him around. And for matchups, like, you know, you're going to have to put a big a big safety on him. And not every mm-hmm. team even has one of those. You can't put a corner on him. He's too big. And you can't it, put a linebacker on and him. He'll he's outrun, too fast. He'll outrun your safeties. Yeah. I mean, he, he outruns corners. He's I think he ran a 4-4. So he's... I mean, he's got everything that a receiver has, but he's just taller. Mm-hmm. I think the comparison, like if people have been kind of comparing comparing him and Julio, he doesn't quite run routes like Julio. Julio is like the most natural smooth route runner in the NFL. Pitts doesn't quite have that. He's not quite as sure-handed, but I mean, he can get open, and when he's open, he's going to catch it, and he's going to run over and around people. So he's going to be fun to watch. He definitely will. He's probably your fourth or fifth tight end off the fantasy board. So if you want him on your team, you're going to have to be a little bit aggressive, I think. Mm -hmm. But I imagine you will get your money's worth out of Kyle Pitts. The volume will be there. The the defense is going to give up points. Ryan's going to be throwing 50 times a game. I expect the volume to be there. So middle of the pack in terms of draft grade, NFL has him at 14. And then their offseason grade was a C. So... To your point, uh, CBS doesn't think they made a lot of leaps this year either. And um, probably the main reason they, they got a higher draft grade, too, is that they got a guy in Kyle Pitts that could be the centerpiece of that offense for the next decade because mm-hmm. he's super young, too. Yeah, this is true. He's going to be a stud. Buy a Kyle Pitts jersey if you live <laughs> in Atlanta. Over under 
I think I know where you're going to go with this, Seth, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to preemptively agree with you. Seven and a half <laughs> is the line. Yeah. I like the under at 110, plus yep, 110. Plus 110. Uh, would you say the same? I agree. I think, again, I could count potentially, if looking at the division, I think they probably split the Saints games. I think they could lose both to the to the um, Panthers. I think they'll definitely lose both to the the Bucks. So what are we saying? Maybe two wins out of that, out of that division potentially. So then they have to find another six wins somewhere else in their schedule. And I think I mean they have a fourth place schedule, but they looking at their looking at just basic looking at your you have the schedule pulled up. They got the Jets, which is yeah. fine. The the Those Washington football Jets, team, I think they lose to. Dolphins, they lose to Panthers. We've talked about Cowboys. I think they lose to Patriots. I think they lose to Jaguars. Would actually be kind of a fun matchup. The Niners, I think they'll lose Niners. to Lions. They got a shot. They have to Bills. They lose. I mean, so they have to find. They they have to. They have a couple winnable games outside the division, and then they have to have to upset a couple teams for them to hit that seven and a half. So I think that under is not quite as sure as the 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 Panthers one for me, but I think. It's a pretty good bet. If if I were to put, I I would put money on this one. We like the under. Show me the money. You're not betting this team to win the Super Bowl. Give <laughs> no. me a break. I think best for me. What am I hoping Atlanta does this year? I hope their last year's Cowboys before Dak got hurt. Give me shit defense. Give me a million points. And give me Matt Ryan just slinging it and leading the league in yards. Like that for me is the most entertaining version of the Falcons yep. that we're going to see. Yep. And I think it's honestly the most likely scenario. <laughs> <laughs> so that is uh, the NFC South. We we like Tampa to get back and have a chance to repeat um, until they come across the Rams in the playoffs, that is. We like New Orleans to hover, maybe take a step back, be around 500. Interesting to see who they roll out at quarterback there. Carolina is our pick to improve upon last season. They're one that we took the over on. Atlanta, not high hopes there unless you're a fantasy manager looking to get some free points from that offense. Seth, if I asked you to predict the standings for the NFC South at the end of this season, who do you like one through four? Go obviously Tampa at one. I'd go Carolina at two. I would actually have a little bit of a thought between New Orleans and Atlanta at four, three and four. I, I would probably still lean towards New Orleans with just how good that defense is at three and then Atlanta at four. But if some a couple things maybe go Atlanta's way, uh, maybe that offense plays better than expected, I could see them taking at three. I, I, I don't love the Saints this year at all. I'm going to agree with you here. I think... Give me Tampa, Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta. The, the the reason for me, New Orleans over Atlanta, is I think New Orleans will beat Atlanta when they go head-to-head, and it may very well come down to that. I think those are both, like, six-win teams, and they'll play in, like, week 16, and one of them will win. So I, <laughs> to me, that's the difference between those. Very different styles, very different reasons why I don't think they'll yeah. win. But I think we're in agreement and I think as far as the over-under, Vegas is pretty close to us, too. Maybe maybe flipping Carolina and New Orleans. Always an interesting division. I love the NFC South. They've always got great games between one another, even when a team, one of the teams is supposed to be very good. The Bucks had to win some close games against the NFC South this last year. So they will definitely be, be interesting to keep an eye on. When you look at the division, Seth, who were maybe a handful of the must-grab fantasy players mm. out of here for the folks who are getting ready to draft their season-long teams? Well, I mean, if you go to, just looking team by team, Tampa, you're good with, I mean, obviously Godwin and Evans are locks uh, as uh, some top-wide receivers. 
if there's any, maybe if we're looking at like, maybe we could look at some sleepers for each one. The Bucks. I mean, I know, I know we've been burning this before, but I have this weird feeling about OJ Howard. I think if he comes back healthy, he never got a chance with Brady and he's, I mean, Gronk is Gronk, but OJ Howard's, a, he, he is much more of an athlete at this stage in his career. Maybe he takes a step up. Otherwise, though, those guys are the you know those those guys are what they are. You know you know where you're drafting them at that point. I think the Saints. That's a little bit tougher because I I honestly think that maybe Latavius Murray. If if that if that offense stays more run heavy and if Taysom Hill's the quarterback or they need to run more because Jameis isn't performing, I think uh, Latavius Murray could be a decent little value value guy where he's going to be a solid flex play every week because if, if he maybe he cuts into some of Kamara's carries and gets gets the goal line carries and that type of thing. Tavius Murray might get a uh, maybe his last year of uh, usefulness if this offense kind of takes like a weird turn. Carolina, obviously CMC, if you could take him, he's going to be the number one overall guy. But if you're looking at someone else on that offense. It's I, Anderson I, for me. And like yeah. in all caps, it's Robbie Anderson. He had a good, just, really good, shockingly good season last year. And he's reunited with Darnold. They played together at the Jets. They, they did. So Anderson's the guy I'm taking if I have to have a wide receiver from Carolina. I, I think if I have to have a wide receiver, it's DJ Moore. But with, with Anderson, the thing that he was so good at last year, he completely changed his game. In New York, he was a deep threat. He was mm-hmm. he was a guy that was going to go deep. And, and him and Darnold had a good connection. That's DJ Moore, though. And what he went to last year, Rob, Robbie Henderson went to, was your sideline, your your short to intermediate throws. He wasn't as much of a deep threat. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. If you're looking for a sleeper, though, I think Ian Thomas could be interesting as a tight end. Again, big, he's physical, he's quick. I, potentially, he takes a step up this year with, with a little bit more of the intermediate throws that Teddy Bridgewater was not great at. Atlanta, I said him earlier, Mike Davis. I think he is going to be fun in Atlanta and I think he is a very good value I don't think he's going in the top 20 for running backs and I think he could easily be a a, a very solid RB2 in Atlanta I gotta agree with your take on that I had not thought about Mike Davis before this before we started recording this show but he's gonna get goal line action that offense is going to move the ball and he's big bodied guy he can do a little bit of everything Matt Ryan loves Um, to check it down too he used to do that all the time with Freeman and he just hasn't had that back to do it with He's not Todd Gurley, so he'll be, you know, out there uh, most <laughs> weeks. So that'll be good. Yeah, Atlanta for me, if if you if you have an Atlanta player, you're feeling pretty good about it, I think. I think Davis, mm-hmm. Ryan's gonna get a ton of volume. Obviously Pitts will get taking Pitts and Ridley in the first two rounds. So Yeah, Ridley will go where he, he's gonna go. He he's a t- he's a top ten wide receiver. So really not unless you drafted him before pick like seven. I think you're you're not overdrafting him. I think you could pick him anywhere from like eight to fourteen, and and you're like that's I like him a lot there. Pitts though, he's going to get overdrafted. It, it, I I won't end up with him on my team because he's going to get overdrafted. Mm-hmm. He is a name. He has a lot of hype. He's probably I would say in in a lot of leagues who with with people who don't like follow one hundred percent the 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 strategy and the draft stuff like people who just go off names and things. He'll probably go after George Kittle. And I think there are two other tight ends who, especially Darren Waller. If he, if Darren Waller goes after Kyle Pitts, I think then whoever's getting Waller is getting a supreme value right there. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I think the tight ends will be interesting. I think you're, you're. I don't know if you can lose on this. Is something I, I'm certain I got from someone else. I, I don't know if you can win your your league on draft day, but you can lose it. And I think kind of the yeah. opposite 
when it comes to tight ends. Like, I don't think you can guarantee a great team by picking the right tight end, but you can get damn close. If you like, if you get one of those top three guys or so, and everybody recognizes that because it's a thin position. And so I agree with you. I think you'll see Kelsey go and then Kittle will go right after, and then someone will freak out and take pits right then. Mm -hmm. And he'll be overdrafted. Now he may still get you crazy numbers and you'll be stoked that you have him, but I I'm with you. I think he's going to go sooner than I'm prepared to take him. Mm -hmm. So some people are going to be betting a lot on Kyle Pitts and that Atlanta offense. Not something I'm prepared to do, but some folks, yeah. you know, maybe maybe he's the guy that wins you the belt next year. I don't know. But I think on the opposite end, I think Mike Davis is going to get supremely underdrafted. Mm -hmm. I think he's a guy who's going to fall. And because he's not going to show up when you're doing drafts, he's not going to show up on your list until later down in, in the towards the 50s of overall average draft position. And so he's he's a guy that he's going to just people are going to forget. Oh, yeah, he's on the Falcons or is he a backup somewhere? Or do they still have Gurley? So he's, he's kind of got a lot of like there's cloudiness to him, I think, in a lot of people's minds just based off perception. But that's his backfield. There's no one going to compete with him. He's going to get the touches. He's going to get the goal line work. He's going to get he's going to catch the ball. He's going to run routes. I think he is, he's a guy that can end up winning. You talk about the winning. And I think the, the, the saying you're associating that with this is I think it's the first round pick. So you can't lose your draft with, or can't win your draft with typically with your first round pick, but you can certainly lose it. Same. I think here he's a guy where um, he can win you your draft because he's, he's win you the league because he's a guy who's going to put up numbers for sure. And you're going to get him maybe in the fifth or sixth round. Yeah. We like, we like Mike Davis in the mid rounds for sure. Um, I also just realized Cordero Patterson is on this team. The so Falcons, he'll return picks. So he he'll may return, uh, uh, kicks. Yeah, yeah, he'll return kicks. Maybe he'll be, you know, if there's an injury or something, maybe he's a fill-in guy. Also, Hayden Hurst is still on this team. Yeah, a lot of talk about Kyle Pitts, but watch out for Hurst to sneak in and get a few goal line touchdowns. Maybe yeah. a lot of those nine point two catches, two yards, one touchdown. The math doesn't quite work out well, there, but <laughs> you're talking about with Kyle Pitts. With can he block? The answer is no, he can't. But Hayden Hurst can. And so that <laughs> okay. that's that's and Hayden Hurst is a guy they traded for last year. He's gonna get some work, like you said, he'll probably take some targets, things like that. But Kyle Pitts is gonna be on the field essentially as the second wide receiver. Hayden Hurst will be on specifically for the, the tight end plays, and he's gonna block. So and again, get a few short yardage or goal line plays, but for the most part most part, he's an excellent blocker. Well, there you go. There's some of the picks uh, for fantasy that you should maybe be keeping an eye on over the summer. NFC South. Seth and I are in agreement pretty much across the board on these guys. We'll be back in a week to cover a different division, but that is going to wrap up the bathroom reading for this week. <laughs> Sitting on the toilet. Now flush. Flush that. Get the stink of Atlanta out of, not Atlanta the city, Atlanta the team. <laughs> get them out of our nostrils. We're going to wrap up here in just a second. Going to leave you with one more thing first. But I'm down to Thing. I'm going to go back to the NBA for my one more thing this week. Eastern Conference Finals wrapped up this last week uh, with the Bucks beating the Fal uh, Atlanta Hawks. I almost got the Falcons mixed in there. And it was the last game for Marv Albert, legendary play-by-play -play announcer. He's done the NBA for something like 55 years. And uh, he is going into retirement. You may recognize, you may not recognize the name Marv Albert, but if you listen to us, you definitely have heard this. For three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! That, of course, the voice of Marv Albert. Um, happy retirement to Marv Albert. And if you haven't, go get a YouTube like 
like playlist of, of great calls from him. He's got some real fucking all timers. Marv Albert. That's why my one more thing this week going into retirement. I can't really think of much, but I will. Uh, the one thing that I, we've been talking about fantasy and I'm, I'm glad we got to that because I do very much love fantasy football and we're coming up on our draft real soon for our league. So I've been getting back into the, into fantasy, doing a couple of mock drafts here and here and there and listening to my shout out another podcast that we've talked about in the past kind of an inspiration for some of our podcasts with sound bites and things like that but the fantasy focus podcast they do they've been doing weekly podcasts during the off season talking through mock drafts as well and they're entertaining about the way they do it they're not just straight up fantasy facts and you know that type of thing they have a relationship they they joke around and they uh they they have they just they don't take it as seriously they have fun so that's where I, that's where i like to get my at least my fantasy entertainment maybe not all my fantasy tips and notes and things like that but they are up there for that and so if you're looking for just a good if you're looking strictly fantasy need a little bit more of the uh the insight here a little bit more expounding upon what what we what we said here for fantasy fantasy focus is a good one for that that it is that it is uh check out the fantasy focus and go watch you some marv albert clips that's what we got for this week's one more thing but i'm down to one more, one more thing don't forget to head over to sociallyconstipatedpod.com. Click on this episode. Join us in the comments. Let us know what you thought of our takes on these teams. Uh, let us know if you're if you're betting with us on that Carolina over. Let us know so you can ride the ship with us. Ask us any questions uh, about what we think of any of these teams or what we've got coming up next week. I'll just ask you here, Seth. AFC South next week? Is that what we want to do? Yeah, might as well. Take it to the South again. All right. We're going to stay in the South. We're going to talk AFC South. A lot of interesting things going on around that division. Uh, I promise you I will talk at length about how trash the Texans are. So if you want to catch me on a little bit of a rant, make sure you come back for that. But if you've got any questions, anything you want us to look at specifically in the AFC South, hit us with a comment so that we can get prepped for that. The other thing in the comments, let us know if you want to join a fantasy league based around this show. Seth talked about it a little bit last week. Hit us up in the comments or mail at sociallyconstipatedpod.com or any of our socials if you would be interested in having a league that Seth is going to commission. Otherwise, get out there, start making your bets, start doing your prep for fantasy leagues. And my voice is going hoarse, which means (laughs) that we better wrap things up there. Uh, So episode two of Gridiron Grunts is in the books. He is Seth Ott. I'm Cody Michael. Join us next week to talk about the AFC South, and we'll see you then. Bye.